Happy holidays, everyone. We are grateful to be sharing wisdom with you all week after week. The lives and insights of our guests make us think, make us laugh, and make us curious. We are also grateful for you. We love having you part of our community and getting to know you at our conferences, through your emails, and via your social media comments. We want to take a moment right now to send all of you gratitude for being on this journey with us and caring enough about your future and the ones around you to improve your physical, mental, and spiritual health. Kindness and well-being are truly contagious. People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. World-renowned osteopath and professor, coach of Olympic and professional athletes, and facilitator of business excellence with top executives, Guillaume Conagri has developed proven methods to enhance patients' overall health and well-being. Today, he continues to guide athletes, executives, and individuals to achieve the balance, strength, and flexibility, and overall awareness necessary to achieve untapped levels of success. We are thrilled to welcome Guillaume onto HealthKick today to talk about all things vagus nerves. Welcome, Guillaume. Guillaume, welcome to HealthKick. Trisha and I are thrilled you're here. I've heard so much about you from Trisha and her family. So, Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. And to talk about the vagus nerve is, uh, is going to be quite fun. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the vagus nerve today, which is this extremely long nerve that travels from the brain down to the colon and has this long list of functions and it impacts so much of our inside. So can we just start by having you tell us what is the vagus nerve and what are the functions of it? So the vagus nerve, two vagus nerves, one on each side. They come out straight out of the skull from the brain. So there's two different nervous systems in the body. There's the autonomous nervous system, which is basically all the nerves, the brain and the spinal cord all together. But it segments in two parts because of the functions. So we have two different nerve types that actually function differently. It's like... Uh, yin and yang and black and white. So one constricts, the other one dilates, the other one stimulates while the other one will inhibit. So they work together as a couple. And those two... I didn't know that. I didn't know there were two vagus nerves. Yeah, one on each side. Yeah, and they come out at the base of your brain. So the nervous system that comes out of the brain, they're called cranial nerves, and we have 12 pairs of them. And the vagus nerve is the 10th pair. So we get one on each side. It goes straight from the brain with very different nerve structure and formation. It's one of the most wonderful nerves in the body because it's not well-defined. That's why they called it the vagus nerve from the Latin, which means basically vague. We didn't really know where it was going, but we find it anywhere. It's actually also called the uh, compassion nerve or the wandering nerve. Wandering because it wanders in the body. But more clearly, what's really interesting is that it comes out of the base of your skull, at the top of your neck on each side, and it starts to innervate your thyroid gland. Then it goes down to innervate your lungs and your heart. And then it goes down to the digestive system. 
So mainly the stomach and then the small and large intestine. It also covers the liver, the gallbladder, and somewhat of the uh, pancreas. What makes it interesting with this nerve is that it's a communicating nerve. It basically picks up information from the organs, their state and their health and their function, and gives the information back to the brain, which can then in turn retune the organs to have them slow down or accelerate or stimulate or put to dormant. So the feedback mechanism of this nerve is actually unique in the whole body. What's really interesting with those cranial nerves and namely the vagus nerve, it's a parasympathetic nerve system. The one that comes out of your spine, that comes out from your spinal cord, is called the sympathetic nervous system, as if one was nice and the other was not. But actually, they both work in conjunction and they all innovate the same structures, the muscles for some, most of the organs, the veins, the arteries, anything that contracts, moves, or needs to produce something like a hormonal gland or a secretion gland, your salivary gland, which is under control of the vagus nerve as well. What's really going on in life with the vagus nerve is that its tone, it's like a little bit like a microphone or an electric wire. It has a base tone, which should be ideal and comfortable, not in excess. The problem is with the different sources of stress, digestion, toxins we inhale or that we eat or drink. There are variations. And of course, viruses like the COVID virus, which we'll probably talk about later. So ideally, you want a steady, happy tone in your vagus nerves. That provides your brain and your gut system with calm, gives you positive energy, positive thoughts. And that's why it's also called the compassion nerve, because it brings people to being much more open and perceptive to other people's emotions. Mm. I've worked in emotional intelligence for quite a while now. And the vagus nerve is probably the director of emotional intelligence. And also because it works with the hormonal system and each hormone represents a type of emotion that we can actually encounter in each organ where the hormonal system will deposit its substance. And by chance, the vagus nerve is driving this. So what happens when the vagus nerve is not functioning? Can you damage the nerve? Damaging is really penetration wounds, staring, fractures of the skull or, or the spine penetration wound in your throat or in your thorax or your abdomen. Apart from that, you can make it dysfunction for sure. The actual increased tension in your neck and your jaw will affect the tone of the vagus nerve because it will put mechanical pressure at the exit of the skull bones just above the first cervical vertebra where it comes out. So that will alter the tone. Now, when the vagus nerve is not feeling good, we usually have uh, digestive symptoms. We feel a little depressed. The emotions are pretty negative. The mood swings. The extreme is panic attacks. Panic attacks is the, the big representation of total vagus nerve dysfunction. And we also find a correlation with the gut system because the bacterial world that populates our mucous membranes in our digestive system ensures the balance of the functioning of the nervous system through the vagus nerve. Basically, if you have a good set of bacteria, if you have 
saprophytic flora, which means that it's the flora that is good for you and not the bad bacteria with fungus and bad viruses interfering in there, you will have a steady tone of the vagus nerve and you will bring back good feedback to the brain, which in turn comes with the memory system, the limbic brain will give you good feeling, like the warmth in your chest when you see somebody you love, all these different feelings that go with positive thinking and emotions. Now, the opposites, of course, exist. And those bad feelings, people know about them. Tight throat, pain in the stomach, tightness in the gut, headaches, heavy eyes, whichever. Panic attack is probably the worst one because to get panic attacks, you need to have a bad bacterial world in your gut that actually sustains enormous stress to the vagus nerve until it breaks down. And then people cannot control their emotion and live in fear, anxiety, and depression. And by treating a patient on his vagus nerves while having a panic attack, it takes about five to 10 minutes to resolve it. It will actually stop the panic attack. So when people say that you're as healthy as your gut is healthy, people say your microbiome is so important and this and this, what you're saying or suggesting here is that it's the nerve that's coming through there, the vagus nerve that's coming through here, reads it. Is that right? Yes, they actually, yeah. And then sends it back up to the brain, says things aren't going well here, stress out. That's exactly that. And the information is complex. It goes through proteins. It goes through electric signals. It's a feedback that is constant. Your brain and your gut is basically the brain-gut axis that we've been talking about for a while now. It composes the most neurons that we have in the body, which is in the gut, it's the uh, enteric nervous system. And it relays all this information back to the brain and back down again. So just by having bad thoughts, you can alter your digestive system function. But <sighs> by having a bad digestion, you will alter your mood and have bad thoughts in your brain. Uh -huh. So I guess you're going to talk to us about the importance of breath work and how does that play in the parasympathetic and the sympathetic world? Which of the nerves, so before we do that, which of the nerves is the one that's sending up those messages to the brain? It's the vagus nerves. The vagus, the vagus nerve. nerve is parasympathetic, both of them. And they both innovate two parts of the body. So one is more yeah. on the left lung, the other one's more on the right. They basically share the organs left and right. And is it true that when we're in vitro, when we're really forming in the womb that the vagus nerve is the brain and the gut. Is that true? It's the same embryonic tissue that actually differentiates by changing the specialty of the cells, therefore their shape and their color, basically. And then the function sprouts after that. And that's why the term second brain, it refers to our gut. Is that right? Yes, because that's where you have the most neurons in the body. And that's because it's related to the brain because mm -hmm. of the vagus nerve contact. So people that suffer from a lot of anxiety, a lot of, you would say, even depression, you're saying you got to take a look at your gut. Yes, uh, it's automatic. Now, since I would say five to 10 years, there's a huge research on the gut system for many different reasons affecting psychology, psychiatry. We find out more and more nearly every day that lots of different affections or diseases related to the brain are actually caused by dysfunction of the gut system. Now, this is a very large image, but things become extremely specific for each kind of affection. Regarding depression and anxiety, the 
vagus nerve has to be addressed absolutely because the misconduction in the nerve will send the wrong signals down and it's a spinning wheel and that's all it does it's like a computer bug it just processes the same stimulation of this bad functioning and those mm -hmm. negative emotions and negative feelings in, inside your body uh, you were talking about breathing yeah but it is very funny because i've been i studied uh, osteopathy about 40 years ago and my neurology teacher was crazy about the vagus nerve but couldn't tell us why because there was not much ground apart from the anatomy of it and what we suspected it was doing. And I got really interested in it as soon as I got my diploma and started to work on it. And we have actual physical manual tools to affect the vagus nerve. So I've been working on it for a very long time and I've met uh, brilliant people who introduced me to uh, breathing techniques and how the brain can calm down, how you can stimulate different parts of your system and which I've been using extensively using the senses and, and back then i was about to be hanged on the public plaza because <laughs> this was all hocus pocus like yoga was a sect uh, practice and now it's everybody knows about it and everybody practices it so breathing is probably the most important self tool to regulate your vagus nerve it can actually make miracles it has to be practiced and i can detail a couple of different breaths that will tune your vagus nerve that you can do at home in five minutes and that will you know really help people and sometimes help change your life as well so breathing has a mechanical effect of stimulating at the back of the brain behind the throat on top of the palate the nervous system sending the fibers that become the vagus nerves on each side and this breathing is really, it's the flow of air that actually stimulates the floor of the brain. Then, of course, afterwards, it calms the systems with the help of the nerves. It releases different types of hormones uh, which are comfortable. But the first effect on the vagus nerve is mechanical. Goggling water for three to five minutes, two or three times a day, will stimulate your vagus nerves. We actually use it for people who've had concussions and when you have a concussion, basically, the shock will inhibit or excite parts of your neurological system, different parts of your brain. Now, when you get the concussion, you also, most of the time, get a whiplash. And the whiplash affects the base of your skull, the occiput, and the first cervical vertebrae. That's where the vagus nerve comes out, right in front of that. So when you goggle, after having a concussion or a whiplash, you will re-stimulate function of your vagus nerve, which is usually shut down partly because of the trauma that inhibits the circuits of, of nerve circulation. Wow. And that is proven. This is not just focus focus. This is all on scientific papers. And you're saying even if you don't have whiplash or a concussion, you should gargle two to three minutes a day just to kind no. of keep... I'd rather have my patients breathe on their own rather than goggle. But if they're really stuck with mm. their vagus nerve dysfunctioning, they can try goggling and it will definitely help them within a few minutes. Yeah. It's really quick. It's not like you have to wait till next month. It just works. Yeah, It's the vibration again. It's the vibration and it settles it down? Yeah, absolutely. One very important concept about 
tissues in your body and life and how it works. Life is about mobility. Things have to move. When they don't move, they are restricted. They just drop down in function and they start dysfunctioning. And after a while, that's how you develop diseases or true problems. When you move things in the right way, not brutally, not with rhythm, with certain keys, you actually stimulate normalcy of function. And that's the same with the vagus nerve. That's why gargling and breathing is so satisfying for the vagus nerves. If you're breathing, doing these breathing techniques or gargling in the case of a concussion, but your gut is still a mess, does that affect the vagus nerve? Well, that's a really good question because you will affect your vagus nerve, but very shortly. You see, everything is about multifactorial. You have different things. You have to look at everything as a sphere with everything being interdependent. Now, for a system to function well and to create the specific good environment, you need to tackle everything that affects it. Namely, for the vagus nerve, you need to have a good functioning cervical spine and cranium. You need to be breathing well. But most of all, you need to have a good gut lining. Mm. stable bacterial world and of course a diet that goes with it the biggest thing it's stress stress meaning overstimulation people are mm. constantly overstimulated by their alerts on their phone their all the messages you receive plus all these do 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 lists that people have this just produces adrenaline and cortisol which is stressors basically they're pro-inflammatory hormones mm. that Create information in your body wherever you can put it. If you do arthritis, you'll get arthritis. If you have uh, skin problems, you'll have your skin problems coming up. And very often the gut. So stress is also regulated by the parasympathetic nervous system through the vagus nerves because it dilates artery, brings more blood. It slows function down of the organs. It decreases physical tension on the nervous system. And the gut suffers from stress. Everybody knows that. Some people are sick to their stomach with stress. Mm -hmm. And it actually can get you constipated or having diarrhea or having nausea. You name it, you've got it. I think everybody can recognize oneself in that picture. So the gut is primordial. And you can't address the vagus nerve, good functioning, without addressing the gut system. When you talk about aging, does the gut age, you know, digestive enzymes, all that kind of stuff? Or what would you say about aging and a gut aging? Does that mean you're going to eventually get panic attacks or how's that work? No, because uh, your system will develop what it can develop, depending on your genes, on your culture, your education, your life experience, your life's traumas, you know, physical traumas, of course, psychological traumas too. That's why everybody is different and everything has to be tailor-made. But when you address the gut system, you have to assess it and make a full diagnosis with that person to see what is going wrong and how you can actually affect it positively. In regards to taking care of the vagus nerve, if that's what we wish to do. So if somebody comes here because they're taking antidepressants and they are moody and they are tired, they've got low energy, they're constipated, you name it. I got to work on both. You got to make sim simple 
although things are complicated, but everything about life can be reduced to very simple functions, simple concepts, uh, and methods, not processes, but methods of thinking. And when you address this, what do you do? If you want it to be ideal, you got to affect the vascular system, you got to affect the membranes of the gut system, and you got to affect the, the nervous system. And that's because we're talking about the vagus nerve, but in general, you can apply that to just about everything in health and in your body. It's a question of performance. Can you teach us a few breathing techniques that could possibly help stimulate our vagus nerve? Stimulate or regulate. Basically getting you the favorable tone. As I told you, the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system do basically two opposite actions in the same organs or the same tissues. But because they work together, they maintain something that is functional and that is balanced. When you do breathing techniques for the vagus nerve, it will change its tonicity. Meaning if the vagus nerve is down and not functioning, it will raise it up. If it's too high and overstimulating, it will regulate it down. Because we all have a balance line where everything is ideal. And when you go up and down, you always have to regulate. And it's when you lose your regulation system that you start having problems with your vagus nerves. I'm just going to tell you about one, which is absolutely amazing. It needs to be done for five minutes in a row. It's very important. And ideally, do it once a day for 21 days. Now, there's a magic. Uh, number with 21 that you'll find in many different cultures and medicine that actually the repetition of 21 days of something and we find that in meditations and actual also physical exercises permits the brain to memorize it and to keep it in stock and basically the 22nd day if you just think about that breathing process that i'm going to tell you about it actually engages the reaction to the vagus nerve but of course that doesn't last forever you have to maintain the system by breathing regularly but you don't have to breathe every day after 21 days but 21 days is usually your target so there is no pause between breathing in and breathing out we breathe in for four full seconds so one two three four and we immediately breathe out for eight seconds now breathing out for eight seconds is complicated for a lot of people when you're stressed and your vagus nerve is dysfunctioning, it's going to take you 30 seconds to calm down and find the rhythm so you can actually expel air for eight seconds. So you have to breathe in fully for four and very slowly for eight. And you do not stop between each breath. So it's four in, eight out. So I suggest you guys try that for 30 seconds because otherwise there's going to be too much silence here. While you breathe, you can actually feel your body, your throat, your neck, your chest, your tummy, your low back. And breathing out slowly to eight seconds. So you have to do this for five full minutes because it takes a while for the rhythm to start influencing 
the nervous system at the base of the skull. This will basically get anybody focused and de-stressed within five minutes. The more you do it, the more efficient it is. So it's this vision of having the parasympathetic nerve and the sympathetic nerve, it's not like you're turning one off and turning one on. Are you moving yourself out of the sympathetic into parasympathetic? We're working on the parasympathetic, but there's an automatic response from the sympathetic oh. nervous system that tunes to the parasympathetic system. That tunes to it. Because they're in touch nonstop through the organs and through the brain. I see. So this is almost saying, okay, parasympathetic, you come on up now and get us yes. in sync. You get us in sync. Because a sympathetic nerve is the guy that can get stressed out. Yes, absolutely. That's the one that accelerates, excites, contracts, keeps you tense. And the parasympathetic can come up and get them into balance. It will slow you down. It will relax things. It will slow the blood flow. It will just keep things down. Therefore, when this happens, you also have to understand that hormones are produced nonstop in your body, 24 or 7. But when you influence one of those nervous systems, it also triggers production of different hormones like serotonin, not dopamine, because dopamine will excite you and get you super focused, but it will give you the nice and slow endorphins and all these things that feel good. When the sympathetic nervous system overactivates, it overproduces dopamine, it overproduces adrenaline and cortisol. So by addressing this vagus nerve with this breath, for instance, you also tune down the sympathetic nervous system activity. And the thing is, with the parasympathetic, it's not necessarily bad because we need adrenaline. We need cortisol at some yes. time. But our bodies sometimes think we need it when we're sitting behind like just a red light and we're angry. The body doesn't know the difference between the different stresses. Is that something you think about? Absolutely. You know, adrenaline is very important because it gets all your blood to your muscles and your joints and to the superficial part of your body and decreases it in your brain and in your gut. So when it's like that all day, basically it's used to run away from the lion. And how many times are you attacked by lion a day? And we're attacked by hundreds of lions every day. They're small lions. And it sustains this adrenaline and cortisol production that tires all our system. So sympathetic goes high, parasympathetic goes low, stresses the gut, changes the actual function, the bacterial world, everything. And then it feeds back again to the brain to get those information. So things like Hashimoto's and things like any kind of hormone, thyroid things. Yes. The first indicator is the gut. Is that right? No. The first indicator is the vagus nerve. I learned a long time ago with brilliant people working and specializing on the thyroid in a functional way, functional medicine, not disease medicine, not medication, not surgery, that the thyroid is an emotional gland for proof. When you have a biopsy of the thyroid gland, most women will spend one or two days crying or extremely sad because it affects them that way. It's because the vagus nerve is taking care of the thyroid. And when you have an emotional shock or sustained emotional pressure that is sentimental, that touches your affect, it will decrease the function of the thyroid and it will act like a victim. So progressively over the years, 
it will decrease in function and start to degenerate, which creates Hashimoto's and other types of degeneration, which you can produce cold or hot nodules and potentially cancer, but that's the far-reached one. And of course, you need other environmental causes, like in Europe, because of Chernobyl explosion, we had masses of cases of thyroid problems, uh, even with men, although it's more feminine. And that's why also it's a very emotional gland because it's more in touch with women. Men are less affected through their uh, thyroid gland. But anyway, to make it short, it's the vagus nerve. But of course, if the vagus nerve is down because of your gut system, right, to treat your it's... thyroid, you got to raise up your gut system to affect the vagus nerve so it can actually take care of good innovation and inflammation to the thyroid gland. So what happens when your parasympathetic nervous system is under-functioning and you're not running from the tiger, but you're the opposite? It's exhausted because you can get to that point where your system is exhausted. So nothing responds and functions lowers. Functions of your brain, functions of your gut, functions of your blood, and of course, functions of your hormones, therefore of your moods. Then you have to stimulate. And there are, you know, physical techniques, but breathing is one of them. Goggling is another one of them. And of course, if you want to affect other types of nerves, it's, it's a very different world because we're in the specific crazy global world of vagus nerves right now. So it, connect, it actually innovates the, all the muscles in your throat that produces voice, coughing, sneezing, vomiting. It's the only parasympathetic nerve, therefore cranial nerve, that actually innovates voluntary muscles. Voluntary muscles are purely controlled by the sympathetic nervous system, those fibers that come out of your spine from the neck down to your low back. All I can say is the human body is like a miracle. All these functions and all these things, these complex systems that you know about and can teach us, but it's just a miracle. It's a miracle, but then again, it's obvious and it's simple, but it relies on balance, good energy. That's why positive thinking is so important. I'm not saying like you have to talk to yourself in positive words all, all the time, but seeing the glass half full, seeing that there's the sun right behind the clouds, little stuff like that. Everybody knows about this. The way you apprehend life, the way you feel it, the way you see it, the way you hear it will affect your whole health. And that's what it needs. Now, a really interesting thing. Have you heard of scalar energy? It's micro-micromolecule propelled by mainly the sun that actually goes through everything, us included. It actually goes through the earth without being changed and can be picked up in exactly the same state on the other side of the earth. Now, it seems that this energy has a feeding function for living organisms. They uh, put 25 rabbits in a lead cage with light, with sound, with food, with water. After 20 days, all the rabbits died. And it was part of that testing of those scalar energies that they were trying to research on. And they're actually working now on putting the evidence on the fact that we feed on air and we feed on food and water, but we also feed on some particle energy that is emitted by the sun. 
when you're under the sun, you feel good, right? It's not just mm -hmm. because you have light and warmth. It's there is something else. And this is probably one of the things. It's like when you're surrounded by love in a family, your health is better because, or not necessarily family, but when you're surrounded by love and loving relationships, there are studies now that show that your health is so much better as opposed to living mm -hmm. around negativity. Right. Of course. And that, you know, it cures stress. It just brings a balm to your heart. And that's what we need to thrive. We are sensory beings. Basically, we're sensory beings because we have the ability to perceive the world through five basic senses. And there's others that people feel, use, know about, or don't. But those five senses keep us in touch with perception of life and of the world. Now, if I take the example of uh, those very rare and unfortunate, more than unfortunate, very miserable people who do not see and do not hear, they are called the enclosed people, the ones behind walls. And I've seen a program on those people in a center. It's probably the most horrible thing that I've ever seen and experienced that those people are not in touch with life or the others. Touch is the only thing. Smell is not developed enough to create a world around them. But imagine if you did not see or did not yeah. hear, you would be cut out and in limbo. So being sensory beings, we need perception. And the vagus nerve is giving us other types of perceptions, which include good feelings, but also bad feelings. And we have to listen to those emotions and where they are in, in our body because it signs, it gives a signature somewhere. If it's in your chest, in your gut, in your stomach, in your head, in your throat. So when people talk about get out of your head and just feel your body and your body speaks to you and your body can give you messages, is that our vagus nerve? That's the wisdom that we're getting? It's going back to the present. It's stopping the mental rush. And you can only do that not by concentrating and thinking because the cognitive brain has absolutely no power on it. It actually has the opposite effect. Going back to the feelings in your body gets you in touch with your structure and who you are. Who you are is not what you do and what people think of you. It's, it's what you are inside and what you're experiencing. And those experiences are basically emotional messages from the nervous system and the hormonal system. Now, when you pay attention to it, you start feeling it more. And thanks to the vagus nerves, we have more perception throughout the body because we've got a body feedback there. One of the things that's causing us much stress these days, of course, is the virus and Omicron. So can you talk to us about your perspective on what's going on with the, the viruses? There's two things with the virus crisis and this pandemic is... First, how people have had to change their lives against their will in a mostly uncomfortable way and a sustainable, uncomfortable way. Now, this has produced sustained stress, mental and physical. This sustained stress ends up wearing tonicity of your nervous system and, of course, of your vagus nerves. This is why so many people are producing depression, anxiety, borderline personality changes and the one of the only profession that has thrived since march 2020 
are the therapists, anybody who takes care of people's mental and emotional problems. They have never worked that much. They've been confined at home as well, which gave them more time to see more people. This is the first thing that I saw when I started working again after shutting down for a few months. I started seeing patients that I knew with different problems related to that. On every single one of them, I address the vagus nerve and I give supplements for it. And I address the gut because the gut is also wearing on the influence of the sustained stress vagus nerves. That's one thing. The other thing is people who had COVID. Now, COVID in the beginning, we thought it was purely respiratory and cardiovascular affecting your heart, your blood vessels, increasing blood pressure and uh, getting you breathless and would diminish breathing capacity. Now, the other thing that is really being studied now is much more important is the effect on the neurological system. Now, the virus actually affects the brain and infects the brain, which has for effect of creating drowsiness, fogginess, very important difficulties for people to focus and to remember. And since about a year, I have started to extensively treat those people who present the same kind of dysfunction. And people are extremely miserable. It feels like Lyme's disease for those who had it, or like Epstein-Barr virus for those who have had symptoms with it. But it actually really affects the nerve cells of your brain. So that's what's going on with the virus. And the vagus nerve is the one that actually makes the junction between all the systems. And it has to be addressed as well. But not only because you've got toxins in the brain, you've got to use certain types of supplements, you have to apply a very specific diet and specific exercises to stimulate repair of the brain, to increase vascular uh, circulation of the brain in and out, and to cleanse it basically. And afterwards, you can start re stimulating the loss function of the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, which will affect your moods. And as for effect, in a couple of months, most people recover memory, forget about fogginess, and they start to function again. And happiness is showing its face at the window again. Yeah. Mm. So these are the two things that's happening in relationship to our beloved uh, Vegas nerves here. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the vaccine? Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, this is the touchy thing. You're for or you're against. I don't think there's for and against. This is a new type of vaccine. Uh, I'm vaccinated. And so are my kids and my wife, and we were amongst the first ones to do that. I did that for responsibility towards my patients and my family. And it is something that I think uh, people should be responsible for. If you live in society, you need to vaccinate yourself for other people. Exactly. Just because we know it lowers the chances of catching it and it lowers the intensity of the disease if you catch it. Now, people who don't want to vaccinate have their own principles and philosophy about it. Of course, like any other vaccine, it has some side effects for some people. It's smaller numbers, but some people have bad reactions. I've had high blood pressure for two months 
which came out of nowhere, which I never had, and I could not calm it down with meditation, breathing, you name it. And I was monitoring my blood pressure 10 to 12 times a day to see if I could affect it. Normally, I, sh I should be able to, but this time I could not. And breathlessness on cardiovascular efforts, which I never had. And it just went away by a little cleansing program for my nervous system and my cardiovascular system. So our body is adapts. Of course, you react to something that gets in your body that is foreign and unusual. It's like when you catch a cold, uh, you don't feel great because you got those viruses or bacteria invading your system. So Guillaume, you're an osteopath. Can you tell our listeners what is an osteopath and what that means and, and why you decided to become an osteopath? I decided becoming an osteopath when I was 13 years old. I was living in Geneva back then. I was doing a lot of, of skiing uh, competition and racing and so on. And I started to break my vertebrae, I squashed them, like really break. And I got treated by a chiropractor in Geneva, which did me some good, but which was a little brutal for me back then. And then we moved to London, which is the number one country of osteopathy, manual osteopathy in the world. And I was treated by an osteopath there. And I found this like a revelation. I could not explain it at the time, but it, not only it felt good, but it was comprehensive. It was global. I was understanding what was going on with myself. And I just decided to become an osteopath at 13 years old, basically. So I studied in London. And then I moved to Paris to open my first practice. That was in uh, 1986. And I still have my practice in Paris. And I teach osteopathy and other things uh, around the world. What is osteopathy? It's where it's manual medicine, or how do you describe it? Theoretically and originally, uh, basically as it's practiced everywhere in the world, but in the US, and I'll explain why, it's a manual therapy that we work on mobility and find mobility restrictions and dysfunctions, whether they are from traumas or from dysfunction. And we have techniques to bring mobility back. And it's not just the skeleton and the joints or releasing the muscles, but it's also we work on the organs, we work on the cranial plates, we work on newborns who have been compressed in the uterus and through the passage of labor. We treat a lot of people with different kinds of traumas that have affected their physical body. And we restore, we try and restore normalcy, which restores in turn function, blood supply, nerve supply, and so on. And with a little bit of years of experience, we, we treat nerves, we treat cardiovascular pathways. I work a lot on performance with uh, professional athletes around the world because we can potentialize the body's function by using those manual techniques with some principles and processes and understanding. In America, where I was born in 1870, Dr. Andrew Taylor still, it was a manual therapy until the 50s, until the chiropractors organized into a very structured profession and basically englobed the manual medicine, which discouraged a lot of osteopaths who were more, uh -huh. more individual and had more trouble getting together and founding something big and steady. And so now you have basically 60,000 osteopaths in the US and only 2% of them practice manual medicine, which is the origin of osteopathy. And it's a holistic medicine. 
So you work with a lot of athletes, right? At the top of their game. How does the vagus nerve, how do you coach them or teach them about the vagus nerve and how do they translate it in performance? We use it through breathing, use it physically with them to prepare them for events. It brings basically calm and focus, but it calms system down before the acceleration. And the acceleration can be a runner, a swimmer, Formula One driver, a tennis player, you name it. But if you tune the vagus tone, before an event, or if you tune it regularly so that the athlete can actually come back to that feeling in a couple of techniques, you can get back in there within one minute. That will give him an essential tool to be on top of his game. What else do you want our listeners to know that we might not have touched on? I think people need to really work on the knowledge of how they function. Everybody's an expert at something in their work or knowledge or sports or whatever. But nobody's an expert at their own body and nobody knows what the liver is or their spleen is or that you had two vagus nerves and what they're for. So learning more about this gives you empowerment. It also helps you make the right choices because you understand and you can actually smartly choose from two or three things. And that goes for diet, that goes for exercise. That goes also for seeking treatment and seeing your doctor or your specialist. It can be an acupuncturist, an osteopath, a specialist, a rheumatologist, an orthopedist, you name it. But when people know themselves better, they can actually make wiser decisions and they can avoid hurting themselves, worsening their conditions, and actually addressing it. And the gut is the base of health. But if your gut is being compromised or out of balance and it's not able to absorb, what do you do about that? Well, you have to repair the, the gut lining first and you've got different processes for that and different types of plants and natural remedies that actually mm -hmm. help you. And you also have to take some foods out of your diet because our gut system is damaged by chemicals. Yeah, Glyphosate is one of them. It's Monsanto's uh, Roundup. It kills the villi, basically the covering of your mucous membranes. Now, your mucous membranes cover your nose, throat, ears, lungs, all your digestive organs. Everything that's hollow is covered by those mucous membranes, and it's one system. It's the same one in the embryo in the first 30 days. Now, this membrane is a tenth of a millimeter thick, which is like, it's so minute, but it separates the outside world from the inside world. Now, all your cavities are considered the outside world, the same as outside of your skin. Once you get through the membrane, you're in your bloodstream, and that's your inner world. That's your inside means. If you start to kill your mucous membrane, you permeate, you open up your frontiers. It's like a country opening up here for Mexico and Canada. Luckily, this is nearly an island, but if you go to Europe and you live in Switzerland, you're in trouble. Because you got uh, Germans, Italians, Austrians, French uh, coming up your way. So the mucous membranes, like your skin, because it's the same organ in the embryo that differentiates, so they still work together, they constitute your frontiers. Now, killing your frontiers is basically ruining your country. And it's opening up to large molecules, to more toxins that usually are kept out and so on. Now, some chemicals like... Glyphosate from Monsanto, which is used for raising wheat and other things, is destroying your gut membrane. And it's a fact. And it's 
if you take the small intestine, put all the villi, which are little dense, like little teeth everywhere that augments the surface of absorption of the membrane. If you put it flat, it's a soccer field just for your small intestine, which is 21 feet long. So a small, a big soccer field. That's what your gut membrane is the size of. Now, if you start wiping off a quarter of that or a third of that, what happens to your system? And this is what's happening with this chemical. And there's others, there's so many. So if you don't change the way you eat and the types of food you eat and know what's in there and how it's raised, how it's cultured, you deprive yourself of a very important health tool. But you've got people out there to help you with that. Naturopaths, nutritionists, people like me, lots of functional medicine doctors, they all deal with nutrition and your health and your specific problems. And we know what's good for your heart and what's bad for it. And it's the same for every single organ. Guillaume, you're amazing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm so happy you came and joined us on Health Gig. <laughs> Great. That's the Vegas nerve speaking. You see, it relaxed it. <laughs> <laughs> I love our Vegas nerves, Dora. Like I know, partners. me too. I'm feeling very happy now. And I think it has a lot to do with you, Guillaume. And thank you for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. I had a great time. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs> <laughs>